Let's get ready to throw down. Welcome to the show, everybody. Sales Throwdown. We are here. We are using this episode to talk about a story that Clint heard from one of, you know, a guy he knows who's also listening to the show. So, Clint, why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Brian contacted me here recently and uh, we had, he had a real interesting topic to talk about. And I said, you know, this is a, this is a good one. I'd like to hear the, you know, the four personalities talk about this one. And, and, uh, cause we, we talked about it for about a half hour and, and what the topic was is he had, he had had a couple big deals um, that he had closed down right in, in the last month or so and really pushed his sales forward. And I think if I remember correctly, he even met his quota for the year. And here we are sitting in, you know, July, which is fantastic. So kudos to that. But one of the things that he was talking about is like, man, because I spent so much time on those deals, I've, you know, I kind of forgot to cultivate the future. And so now he's sitting here and, and kind of starting over. So how, how does that work? Right. Do you, and also too, now that you've sold those, you know, because you're a really good salesman, you can do $10 million a year because I think that's your capacity. Don't forget about the maintaining side of that, right? Is that once you've sold it, now you got to maintain it. Can you take on another 10 million because you got half the year left or should you focus on maintaining what you have? Right. And, and there's a lot of different theories floating out there. So yeah, it, it was a good story. I think we're going to hear a lot of good stuff out of that. So what, so, so you hear that and what, and what, what do you think about that as a D, right? If one of your guys kills it, right? It's July, he's met his goal and he's not really motivated. Like, do you, do you try to motivate him? Do you raise his goal? Like, do you let him coast? What do you do? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, for me, um, my, my goal with that person, and if I had that on my team is to, sh is to shift focus surely or uh, only to backlog for next year. Right. So if we could walk into January or whatever your fiscal year is, right maybe it's August, October, whatever. When you walk into January one, now I want, I want to be able to be able to have that year sold out. So don't focus on deals for the day because we've met our quota for the year, but focus on deals for tomorrow or, or 2021. That way, when we walk into that year, everything that's sold then is a bonus on the next year. And that's a, that's awesome. I mean, your accountants love that. Your regional vice presidents love that. I mean, you're talking about building a backlog and, and having a future for that brick and mortar that you're in to stay open for another year, maybe two. So it's a great situation in to, to be in, but what you can't do is get lackadaisical and forget that you are a salesman and you still need to sell. Right. So there's a, there's all kinds do you of things guys, out of this. That's a question. Cause in my industry, you get somebody like that, a junior, right. That would help maintain do you guys plug in any ancillary staff on a, on a, on a heavy hitter that has that kind of potential or pair him up with a junior or, I mean, yeah. it seems like there's a bigger equation here that you'd want to capitalize from a management standpoint. Yeah. The, you know, the first thing for me is uh, one of the constant variables for me and in, in not being able to sell certain jobs is that where your overhead costs are overheads and burdens, right? So anytime that you can job cost to a customer, a burden or an overhead is huge for us. Right. And that makes the next job easier to sell because we're just cheaper. Right. Yeah. And, and money is a driver in my equation. So if I can have a big job, let's say in my, in my world, that would be 10 to $15 million project. 
I can shift a lot of my overhead costs for the next upcoming year or every project is usually like 12, 13 months. I can shift a lot of costs to that. And now I can sell more at a cheaper rate, which is fantastic for me. Yeah. I can see Clint. Clint's like, now, how many cases of beer are we going to allocate to this project? Yeah, yeah. No, there, that's a, that's a, that's an indirect cost in the, in the budget. Let me tell you. Throw a new F two fifty in on top of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we we call it, we call it pizza money for the guys, but we all really know. What <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, yeah, you gotta, you got you know, the accountant can't be blown away about what category it fits in. So you dummy yeah. it all down. Right. Hey, you, you never give it, you just, as long as you give it a cost code, accountants yep. are happy. They don't there give a go. shit what it, what it is. They, yeah. Just give me a code. Yep. Yep. I have a I have a bucket of money that equals this. You spent less than that. I'm happy. There you go. So my so my question then becomes right because the question you asked before this is like what do you do with that guy now, right? Like you know and and yep. because the other thing that's really important is that it could go the other way, right? You could be investing a bunch of time and effort into like your your whale, right, and not working the rest of your and pipeline. Not you're not prospecting. You're not keeping the pipeline full. And everything else like this, and you're hoping and hoping, and okay, anytime now, anytime now, anytime now. And then what happens is that shifts at some point from being like an opportunity to being this precious thing that you have to maintain at all costs because you've sunk so much time into it that heaven forbid it goes away, right? And yep. that's when things become become like really, really off roaded. But yeah, so uh, so let me speak to my own my own department, my own company. Is we are a victim of this right now because of COVID nineteen. I, I chose, you know, we have a quota every month, you know, and our burn rate is we need to burn about $2.5 million a month. That means we're pushing, yeah, we're, we're bringing $2.5 million a month in revenue in so that we can cover the cost and make profit, right? That's, that's our burn rate. And when COVID hits, right, there's a lot of things that change that burn rate. We let people go or we realize, hey, we didn't really need that guy in the, in the beginning. And, and this is a good opportunity to thin that herd out. But that, that lowered the burn rate, but it still wasn't as low as we thought it was. And we weren't, we weren't ever going to sell that quota. And it, it was a lot of decisions. But the other thing to that point is that we sold a lot of one, two, three million dollar jobs. And that worked out really well when selling was happening and the economy was good and we had that $2.5 million burn rate. But now we have like a $1.9 million burn rate and the biggest job that anybody's really selling right now is like 300,000. So how many $300,000 jobs and how many relationships do you have to drive to hit that burn rate? And it is just flooring. So, so for, to, to Brian's problem, mine's the opposite. I've had to shift my focus to selling a whole bunch of $300,000, $500,000 jobs but what's going to happen is it's pulled us out of the game of being in the mix for the $10 million jobs that we once thrived on. So when this all backs up around, I, I'm in the, I'm in the opposite problem that he has. Okay. But let me, let's back up. You said it pulled you out of, which is kind of what germane to the conversation. It pulled you out of the 10 to $15 million jobs. Cause you're down here doing the three. Is there not a way to allocate resources or put, people sure. on the hunt for the bigger jobs. Cause you can't say that yeah. you just totally ignore those because well, you're still well, capable thing, of doing them. Right. Well, the problem was, is that nobody's doing those jobs currently. Right. They're period. talking about them for 2021. Yeah. Just period. They're gone. Right. So people okay. building new hotels, nobody's investing their private money and getting investors from private sources from whether it's here in the States or overseas to build a 52 story high rise in downtown Houston 
sure. there's nothing, there's no reason to, right? Because it all thrives on the economy and the economy sucks right now. So hey, not according to out. Trump, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we all so, know the truth. Yeah, is what you we're got saying. me there. So my, so my question, well, and, and so I, I've, I've lots of questions, right? So the, the buildings that are being bid and you guys are talking about right now are in like 2021 and 2022, right? Oh, easily. Right. And, okay. and they're always a pipe dream, right? So, so that's where the deciphering of what's real, what's not is so important. And that seasoned sales guy that, you know, you might've told, uh, he's, he's just, uh, he's past his prime. I, I, I need to move to this thing. That guy has so much market knowledge over 20 or 30 years that you cannot ignore that, right? Because he's seen 2008 happen. He's yeah. seen it before 2008. He's seen these ups and downs. And that's the guy that thrives and gets you through this. So when he tells you, hey, they're asking you to build this, bid this, you know, huge high-rise multi-use. Hey, look, man, you could do that. And it would take up so much resources that we're not going to bring any revenue in this month or the next month or the month after that. So leaning on that experience and leaning on those market knowledge guys is huge in this business. And uh, I know we kind of, th that kind of shifted away from our original topic, but uh, yeah, it was, it's an interesting dilemma that I'm in right now. Well, to toot my own horn, if I may, I've been through 2002. I've been through 2008 and currently 9-11 and then now. And I can tell you, well, no, 9-11, <laughs> and then now currently you know, this COVID situation. And I, I've, I've seen great market results. I've seen, you know, economies come back, right? It's almost like when you go to war, right? You kind of shift that emphasis, and then we get all this expansion after these troubling times. And, and I, and I want to see that this time, too. So, you know, as a ray of hope out there to some people who are, newer to the sales game or newer to economic impacts from some of these major events. Now's yeah. the time to make up ground, right? And, and figure out how the sky isn't falling, right? Because sure. everybody else, you turn around, you cut on the news, you're going to hear the sky is falling. But it, it sounds like in your game, you now have a dilemma, right? And some of this old, old guard can kind of show you the way through some of this. And you sure. have enough experience. And then the newer guys, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about balancing your, your resources and looking at your business model. And diversifying. And, and, the, and, the, and the big, sorry, Nan, go ahead. No, I just, and diversifying. I think it's important not to put all your eggs in, in a bag. You know, you sure. Yeah, and, and the, the diversity word comes up so much now, right, yeah. in the midst of a crisis, which it should have come up nine months ago, a year ago, two years oh, ago. F funny how, you know, you know. Hindsight experts, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and, but, you know, I could argue the fact that if you were running, right, because because this is where a lot of people, I feel like, get it wrong, right? Because because it's just like, great, you're producing, you're producing, you're producing, great, and then you hit their, their goal or their quota, right? And it's like, well, not, now we don't have anything to hold them to, right? So you pay for, you know, the outputs, but you manage around the inputs, you manage around the KPIs. Hey, did, did you go do, you know, 10, 10 cold calls a day this week? Did you go to your networking events? Did you get in front of five, five, you know, three to five new decision makers each week? If you're not getting in front of three to five decision makers each week, your pipeline sucks. Your, your pipeline okay. is not where it could be or it should be for you to be in the best position possible, like for, from your mindset. 
Right. And, and I totally agree with that, John. If, if the person that you're talking about has the capability to also do that and still maintain what he sold. And, and to what Brian was telling me on the phone, right, is, is that's an interesting dilemma, right? Because maybe, maybe you sell 10 million in the first month and that's your whole quota for the year. But that takes a lot of bandwidth to, to maintain those clients, take care of them, make sure you're answering the phone call. For sure. And because you sold it early, now you got all this dumping on you for the next 12 months. And do you have the bandwidth to even sell more than that? And that's, that's where a really good sales manager will help you handle that problem. And, and there, is, there is something to that, right? Is that do I, do I put more on top of them? And then the big whales that we got early start to fail. They start to, you start to get phone calls that say, hey, I'm not being taken care of like I said. Or mm -hmm. you guys said you know, I was going to be taken care of. And so you got to watch that needle move too. Is that, um, yeah, Absolutely. sure, I, I got $10 million but now you guys aren't taking care of me. So next year I'm just going to cut ties with you guys and go to the competitor that will actually take care of me. So don't forget about taking care of people. For sure. You know, and, and there's a, I would say that there's some industries that are really well known for like, like, Hey, everything you, you hunt and kill, you're going to have to manage, you know, like, like, like financial advisors are squarely in that world, you know, yeah. of, he's, you know he's in banking. It's a perfect sure. example. Yeah, right? Exactly. Right. So, so yeah, you got to maintain those relationships and you're trying to cross sell and deepen those relationships. But at the same time, you also, uh, I think we might've lost Al, but like you also have to keep that pipeline moving because a, a lot of the way that a lot of businesses look at this is like, cool, like they're, and I don't agree with this, but they're, they're like, cool, you need to grow your existing book by 10%. And then we also need you to generate 20% in new growth and new business and stuff like this, because you want both sides. Just make it one number, like, like, like just plan of like, Hey, we need the business to be here to do all of our initiatives and plan all of this stuff out. Al's now calling me. Um, and then work backwards from there. Okay, cool. If we need to be, if we need this much money to do these things and these agendas, our sales team need, needs to generate this much money. So each salesperson needs to be doing this. We think that the KPIs and the, and the weekly activities need to look like this and this and this, and then everything goes. But sure. the really interesting story was next year when when it's time to reset quotas, do you jack that dude's quota like way sky high? No, I say no. I say no as well. There, there is a healthy growth pattern in almost every company out there. I think from everything that I've studied is a 16% growth is really healthy, right? Anything outside of that, you've got to add so much overhead and so much capacity that you probably won't be able to manage it or maintain it, right? Any, any, and grow, and that's 1% to 16%, right? Anything in that range, from everything I know, and I've always tried to model everything that I do in business off that 16% max. Mm -hmm. And to some, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you do a five to 10 and even out to a 15 year look, it has 16% gross, it, it will be huge numbers at 15 years, right? So- yeah. So I caution anybody from jacking it up past that. That's just, and, and, and to be honest with you guys, I don't know where that all came from, but I've, I've done a lot of study on healthy growth in companies because I've been a part of small companies getting bigger and 16% has always been the magic number for me. So that's my suggestion. Well, and the, and the thing uh, that, that is really important is like, you don't want to punish your top performer for like being successful, right? Like, like set your goals around like yeah, the needs don't. of the company and, if, and divvy them out. But like, if, if your top performer's got a goal that's like significantly higher than everybody else on the team, and then you're going to hold them accountable and, and, you know, counsel them and manage them and everything else like this, if they don't hit that goal, but no one else's goal is that high, like, 
that kind of sucks. Yeah. And don't forget to reward that guy, right? That's or or woman, right? That is that is huge. And if he hits your quota in July and you're giving him till December to make that quota, do not forget to take their take care of that guy because he will yeah. absolutely go do it for the guy across the street. Yep. He just make will. him yeah. Make make that person like yeah. a senior level. Yes, Nan. Sorry, dear, but you're fine. Alice asking me on my phone to have for you to accept him on a different device. Oh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. He's in the waiting room. Sorry. I had this laid out in a way so that way I couldn't see it coming in. Sorry, Al. Um, But yeah, because I, I think, you know, that's why certain companies have like junior level producers and senior level producers, right? And you get a nice little pay bump or you get some bonuses or some additional things like that because you're capable of producing more. And I think that that's totally fine. But if everybody's getting paid the same, base and then you're just going to ratchet up the expectations on one person because they're killing it i think that makes you uh you're putting all of your eggs in one basket and that and that person's going to leave yeah you can't i don't think you can shift other responsibility out from one person and put it in that because now he has capacity i mean you can if you're in troubling times which hey look 2020 has been a shit show in my mind right And, and you should at all costs available Use the guy that has capacity to win you more work. Don't just say, okay, you're done for the year. Now let's hope these guys meet their quota too, right? Go well, fill their quota and well, I will reward you for it. Well, that's why you, you, still, you still have the expectation around the KPIs, right? Like, like one of the best guys that, I, that I've ever seen on stage, um, he talked about this idea. He, he goes, look, I don't care how much you close in a month. If you don't show up and do your activities and the KPIs that you and I have mutually agreed upon, I'm keeping half of your paycheck, right? <laughs> and, if, and if you don't like it, you don't have to work for me. But the reason why you're making killer paychecks is because you are doing this each and every week consistently. And, that, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a crazy mindset because I'm so much the other way. And I don't disagree with you. I just don't have the bandwidth in my head to, to think like that. Um, I'm a little more the other way of like, I don't care how you get there, show up and get your shit done. And if you hit the matrix, you know, hit the, hit the metrics that we put in front of you. Fantastic. And, and there, there's a downfall to both sides. You ruin a good guy with trying to make him do too much monotonous work, even though he knows what he's doing. Right. That old school guy, right. That goes out there and kills it every day. You don't know how he does it. He just does it. Right. You can't bog that guy down with sitting down in a room every day and filling out forms and templates and stuff. That's not what he did. That's not how he's, and I know you would. Yeah. Um, And and that's why I say is I'm the other way and and neither one of us are right or wrong in the, in this, right. Is I I do not want to bog the guy down, but I do want to learn how he got there. And that's what you're in what you're saying, those metrics, those KPIs, what he does a day, how many phone calls he makes. That's what gives me my template to train other guys that don't do it as well as he does. So there's but a good the, take on, on all sides, I think. But the hard part about that, though, is that that guy often can't tell you, he, I just do it. I just show up and people just like pay me money. And so what happens is like, like in my experience of, of dealing with tons of people like that at companies that I've worked with, right? Because they're like, oh, you need to go sit with our top producing rep and he'll tell you exactly what he's doing. And then we can build that on the sales system. Cool, right? And then I go interview that guy and he can't tell me anything, right? Oh, I'm just really good at yeah. what I do. I just close everybody in front of me. 
And it's nonsense, right? Hey, look, I got to say, you know, in in that conversation that I'm a little bit of that guy. I've always been that, you know, where it's just like, I I really don't know why people buy from me over that guy because I don't track it as well as I should. But I, I will tell you that the constant variable always comes back to relationships. Because I have the relationships, I can make the phone call to make the sell, right? And if I had never done that, so so there is a metric there. It's developing relationships, and Mm -hmm. how you track that is on you. But but I would bet if you ask Nan and you ask Doc of all people on this podcast right now, if you ask them what their greatest common variable was, it would be relationships. And to be clear, I'm I'm advocating for the same thing. Right. But what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people systems. So that way in that moment, when, you know, let's say that like you're, you're in the last column of your CRM, right. Which is like final wrap ups and, and final negotiations. Right. And you've got, you've got 300 grand in there. Right. There's still potential for that stuff to fall out. Right. And then what happens is you is, is if too much of that falls out and you've been hoping for that, and you've been putting all of your time and your investment at work into working those deals and not keeping the pipeline full and getting new relationships. Then what happens is you end up like a little bit like your buddy. So that's why yeah, I think that the, the weekly activities become so important, the, the weekly and monthly activities, because we know what it takes to generate this amount of business. So go do that. But I, I have a question. It seems to me, or in my own experience, that the business I have opens doors and opportunities to more business in that same arena. And, and go ahead, Nan. I just said true. So, you know, one domino, like I said, a sale here takes me certain places where then I look at who they're connected to. I get to know the internal yeah. operations. Mm-hmm. Oh, you oh, you know, that. I mean, maybe that's just healthcare, and, and maybe no, because not. I've been at it. But I, I, I wouldn't think that it would be. I think it's the same in construction, if not sure. more so, right? You know, yep, where, where's the coach, you know, the, the, the roach coach going to next, right? Hey, what yep. job sites have you been out on? Just talking to everybody, the janitor yeah. all the way to the president, looking for leads on who's doing business or who's making a move or who's unhappy or who's, you know, you're, you're constantly checking everybody's temperature. Yeah. So, and, and it's interesting now that, now that you're, you're back in here strong, Al, I'm, I'm really curious. <laughs> I want to go back. It, it, oh, you you're being serious? I yeah, did. Yeah, one of my devices went down. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So so Doc's back, and I'm really curious because uh, John and I were talking, and I'm I'm curious to hear Nan and and Al's opinion on this. Okay, so you got a, You got a guy that sold this quota, and next year now his projection should be right. You should grow, right? You mm-hmm. should have some growth. What is healthy growth in your business as a percentage? Because what John and I were talking about was for me, it's, it's zero to 16%, 16 being max. I don't want to grow too much further outside of that because there's just a lot of variables. Do you guys measure anything like that in, in healthcare or what your growth potential could be? No, to be honest with you, I don't, or I haven't. I don't, Nan, what about you? I mean, I, well, I think for both of us, it's just the amount of surgeries. Right now, surgeries are slower And so it's not a percentage necessarily, but consistently having cases is what is not. Yeah. And and that's my question, right? Is if you did a hundred surgeries this year and you guys were maxed out, right? Working 70, 80 hours a week, could you do 116 
or could you do 130 next year? Right. Well, you with know, the same people. Yeah. We, you you got to grow within your means. That junior, you know, you, you, there's always, you never don't want to increase the amount of business you're going to have. Right. So you have to have someone, you bring in someone to assist at some level so you can continue and you would, you wouldn't not do that. And so, well, and that's, and I agree with that, Nan, to a certain extent, I've actually worked for the last company I worked for. One of the first suggestions I made when I came on board was you need a plateau year. You need a couple plateau years of no growth, but maximize profits out of what you're doing. You need to take care to, to the point of what we're talking about. It's like, we don't need to grow anymore. We're hitting all our metrics, but we do need to take better care of the customers. Exactly. That, we have. that, that way, after two years, we can grow even better and more maturely. There's an immature way to do it, and there's a mature way to grow. So in my arena, to be honest with you, my diversification took some emphasis out of one side of the equation that was running really well and still runs well. I mean, we, we, it's easy to manage, you know, with, you know, a handful of hiccups. And so, you know, I, I have some projects that are more labor intensive than others. I have some that are still in the growth phase. Uh, to be honest with you, on the surgery side of things, it has to really make sense to want to pick it up because we've lost margins there. It's time. I've been, I'm working on Saturday. I was up at a hospital getting some stuff set because I have to go cover a case on Monday. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, what a pain in the ass, right? And so certain, certain you know, I guess verticals are, are looking better than others. I think I'd – go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, right, I mean, you said, man, what a pain in the ass, right? But, like, here's the thing, right? If you're a brand-new rep and this is your first shot, you're not thinking, like, what a pain in the ass to be here on a Saturday. You were fired up. Yeah. Right, right. Well, right? so to, to, to answer that is I'm not a new rep. I'm 56 years old. I don't like the bullshit. I want stuff that's profitable, manageable, serviceable, yeah. mm -hmm. by somebody else not me right i cannot be all things to everybody in all places at all times right yeah. so i gotta that's find a, that's qualified a, that's a really loaded statement right for especially for people listening right now and even to myself is it being being a younger guy right with all this in my mind you know sky's the limit i can do whatever i want but but wisdom like yourself reigns reigns that back into honesty and and actual matrix that i can say okay i can't i can't just double my business next year when you i hear people Nobody say that can. We, we doubled our business last year man okay he, here's what i know about all the people in my industry at least that doubled their business from 20 to 40 million in a in a calendar year the third year is devastating for most oh. of those people i think that's very situationally dependent Right. I, I mean, I mean, uh, and, and everything is of course, but, sure. but this very, very specifically because, you know, we were talking before we turned on the recording of, you know, because I, because I just network a lot, I've got lots of connections. Right. And so people, I build trust, I maintain the relationship and they're like, well, John, I, I need some marketing help. Okay, cool. I can, I can help that through you through, through a partner. Would you like that? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to manage the relationship. So I'm your touch point and I'm managing them. You know, would that be okay? And and here's the problem about that is that I'm the only one who can, who can manage his relationships, right? So I'm doing this to build the revenue. And then eventually what happens is I figure out, 
the the key things that are making me the most money and I productize that and, and try to scale those. But that's not really the exact thing that we're talking about here. But depending upon how you run your business, if you have to do all the fulfillment, I agree with you completely, right? Try, trying the double is rough, right? And that's where the diversification, the, the, the diversification thing comes into play. But the hard thing about that is that if you're the common thread tying all these points together, you're not, you, you have created a job around yourself. You've not really created a business, right? And so one of the things that I'm trying I to dis, do- I disagree. I disagree. If I'm the CEO, right? Mm -hmm. I've, got, I've got this production manager, this, okay, so I'll, I'll run down the list, right? I got Nan well, in the field. Go ahead. Let me, let me stop you real quick because that's easy for you to say now that you have all those moving pieces, but go back when you were making your first sale and you were the only guy. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, there's starting points and there's ending points to a, a, a healthy professional, particularly in sales, right? And mm -hmm. as your sales increase, you figure that you, you come, I started everything right here. Look in the screen, this right here. So <laughs> it started with me doing something and then deciding I needed somebody else. So I brought my, my, my office manager. Anyway, long story short, I have a bunch of people that do certain jobs and all I have to make sure is a that they're there to do it because I trust that I hired right I trust that they got trained or they figured it out or I helped along the way Nan will tell you I don't train anybody but anyway somehow it all works um, then <laughs> but at the end of the day I'm making sure just like you do Clint to, to a certain degree are all my people where they need to be okay all right. Well, then I start waiting for the phone calls because if work is going on, phone calls will come in. It's silence that I don't want to hear. Right. Cause I know they're either avoiding me or, you know, they're, we're not doing much, but as long as there's this steady flow of information back to me, then I've done my job. I've built a, a business, not, not a job. Agreed. And, so, and I will say, I will say this is that like, to put this in perspective, right, and we're talking, talking a little bit about capacity and growth is that if you started a landscaping company tomorrow and you started out with the, your very first job is $1,000, right, and you could do five of those a week by yourself, just you, right, you're the CEO and the sales guy and the guy that digs the hole, right, but, but then you double your business, right, that's, that's healthy, right, $2,000, no big deal, I have the capacity for that. And then I go to four and then I go to eight, but eventually you're going to get to $16,000 really fast. And now you can't do all that just because one, you don't have enough time in the day. You're only one person, right? So you get two. eventually you get to a point where there is a healthy growth that is not double and double is a bad, bad word in my business at the point that I'm in and probably most of you. Right. But if you're a startup, it's good for a while. And then once right. you get to that point, it is devastating, right? It can actually have the adverse effect that you Agreed. want and, and bring you backwards. Well, that's when you, and there's a luxury in that too, Clint, whenever you know that, that statement of that double. So then you start looking at the better deals and not everything that comes across your desk. You'll, you, I mean, you hear about it, but you're like, Agreed. no, probably not a good move. I've been down that road before. No, I know that character. No, I'll call and vet somebody over a deal, you know, with five phone calls. Should I work with this group or that group? And they're like, if you want to lose money or you want them to steal your money. And then you're like, and thanks for the info. Next. Exactly. And, and to that point is like, that is, that's mature growth. What you just said is I'm vetting out jobs. I'm picking the people that I want to do business with and they want to do business with me. 
so that we can yep. both grow our businesses because it, because it works both ways, right? Versus saying, I just want more money and I, I want more revenue for the year. So therefore I take on this customer I know nothing about, don't give a shit. They just pay me a check. There's a, there's a very different mindset there between the two. So well, I, have a, I have a client that um, a couple of weeks ago, so they do video production for people, right? And they work with like some really high end nonprofits as well as like some of the bigger hospitals like, like Cook's Children's and things like this and THR. And, uh, and he calls me the other day and he's, he's someone I work with on a recurring basis. We, we practice and role play and I, and I help him out as, as like a coach, I guess. And so he's like, he's like, man, John, I got to go show up to this video shoot on Monday. And when I gave them my pricing, they, they cut it in half. So I told them it would be eight. They said that they could do it for four and I don't know what to do. And I was like, well, do you make money at the four? And he goes, no. And I said, okay, are you willing to lose money to maintain the relationship? Right. And he was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, are you, are you worried that you're setting a precedent by going and, and accepting Never break price, never break price. I hate it. Hate yeah. it more than anything. So, so we're kind of talking about it and he was like, man, I don't know what to do because this is on Monday and it's, it's Friday. And I was like, look, here's the deal. As of right now, you're not going to this job. And he was like, he's like, wait, what? And I was like, if you show up, you're telling them that you're okay with them cutting your pricing in half, right? And and ideally, we talked about this beforehand, but you know, this is where we are. But you need to get it through your head, like like as of right now, like this is a money losing decision, not a money making decision. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really it's a really good point because it happens. So I live in a market, and I was I would to be honest with you guys, I was floored. I was I was blown away when I moved from Dallas Fort Worth area market to Houston market. And everybody told me. You are walking into the lion's den of shitty Huge. markets, right? It, it gritty, is gritty deals. It's great. It's gritty. There's people that have been doing this for 40 years and you're going to try to come in as the new guy. They're not going to hear a word you say, and they're going to do, they're still going to do these backhanded deals, even though you know, you have the best price, you have the best product, you've, you've developed a relationship. They will still go with this guy because they have a brown bag of money or whatever the case may be, right? They're yeah. best friends with somebody's cousin, sister, whatever, whatever the hell. I am in that market and I fully see it all, right? But what blows my mind is that I will, I continually pump out pricing. One, it's non-negotiable. This is my cost. This is the profit that I want to make for the growth that I want next year. This is my price. Take it or leave it. And if the faster you leave it, the faster I can present that same job to somebody else, right? Absolutely. And that is my, that is my motto. And I will push that in this city until people start coming around, right? Until those old habits die and I'm the new habit. And, and I do it every week and I get, I get shut down. I get people on my own team that says, that's not the way we do it in Houston. You got to start high. You got to bid low. We give them a shitty budget in the beginning. That way we get on the roster and then we give them a price that's actual reality. I refuse to do any of that because I think it's shitty business practice, right? I agree. And, and I, and I just refuse to do that and I don't let my team do it. And, and eventually though, right. It, it will have to turn. It, it just will, or I will, I will die on my totem pole. <laughs> saying, yeah. Hey, this is how I did it. Right. Here's and the deal. Okay. You're either successful okay or you're not there anymore. You know, that's right. Exactly. So well, Clint, so it, Clint it to speak, to speak to that in healthcare, Houston has the same reputation. Mm. It is it's, it's just a gritty right? 
tough, tough market. And I know guys yeah. who are down there in it, and it's just it's the wild. I mean, it it's the wild, wild west down there. It, it, it mean, really is. And and to be to be honest with you, what I find that the, the is the constant variable with different cities I've lived in, different markets that I've operated in. Um, it reminds me a lot of Chicago. Oh, and we all good. we all know yep. who runs the Chicago, right? It's, oh, God. it's the unions. Don't. Yeah. No, and I'm not getting political here. It's literally just yeah. the, it's the union halls, right? And it's yeah. the it's the family tree. It's the last name. It's it's politics involved. And and to be honest with you, every successful place I've lived in, Dallas Fort Worth is is very much the 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 top of my successful um, area that I've ever lived in. Right where they just have a great economy. I think things run smoothly. I've, I've even been on job sites where me and my competitor have half the job and we work great together. Union, yeah. non-union. Right? Oh yeah. It's a, same, it's same epicenter with what we for do. greatness. Yeah. yeah. It's an epicenter for greatness. Right. And there's not many areas out there that do that. And the ones that are crazier, New York, New Jersey, Southern California, Houston happens to fall in that category. And there's always one constant variable and it's just these underhanded deals, these shady businessmen, everybody that we, we try to, to work around, <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, man, they're, they're here. It's I'll interesting, never, though. I will never forget it. The, the beginning of the end for me of working for Al, there, there was a surgeon that I heard about. <laughs> Don't say it that way, but go no. ahead. The, the, this was a big thing for me mentally is, when, is whenever I figured this out. There was a surgeon that I saw. And I, and I said, hey, Al, like, I don't have any records on this guy. He's not like, like, like he's in the, the area that we had talked about me covering, but you never told me anything about him. And, and Al goes, oh, that's because he's in a pod. And I was like, what's a pod? And he goes, physician-owned distributorship. And I said, well, what is that? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, some of these guys are buying in, right? And they're, and they're taking ownership of a company that they buy their own product from. So that way they get a cut on the back end of it. He goes, yeah. you're never going to close that guy. Don't even worry about it. And I was like, yeah. that sucks. Like, <laughs> holy God, why, why am I here? Like, like, hey. like I, was, I was downtrodden for like a week. Like I was like, I was like, I, I, I was so dumbfounded by this idea of this like pretty underhanded thing, like, like running in the background that I had no idea about. And I was just like, Oh, this is crazy. But, well, let me tell you, let me tell you a phrase that'll, that'll waken everybody up here is desperation is a stinky cologne and a lot of people wear it. Ooh. When, a lot when times it. get tough, when times get tough boys, and we are in the midst of it with COVID-19. Times get tough. People will do just about anything to not lose everything they work for. And I deal for with sure. that. So, so to that example, it's like I'm on one side of the equation in a publicly traded company. I can't report losses. That doesn't happen. You, go, you don't just go to the regional meeting once every quarter and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we took everything at cost this month and we did everything so that we could keep the lights on. They don't want to hear that. No, but no, no shareholder wants, wants to, to hear right? that. But if you're a privately held company with one owner, it's okay to do all of that because you kept the doors open for another day. So mm -hmm. very different mentalities, right? But we're, we're all competing against each other. So how do I compete against the guy that when I need to sell a job for profit with my overhead and a down economy for $2 million, he can do it for 1.3 and keep the lights on. Who's right? Mm -hmm. Who's wrong? And, and is anybody right or wrong, right? That's the market that I'm in. It's not, it's not a right or wrong thing, right? I mean, it's I mean, it, it's just, it, it's just about, you know, I mean, 
because that's the thing, right? You start off with like the lowest prices available because you don't have the overhead or, or because you don't have the confidence or whatever this is. And then as time goes, your time becomes more in demand, you shift a level or two, and then you start charging for what you actually feel that you're worth. And then what happens is, you know, I feel like when you get to that level of like, of like going like public, right. And being publicly traded to where you're like, cool, like we are so solid invest in us and you're going to get your money back. Right. And the conversation shifts entirely at that point, I think. Sure. And, and, and so I use that power a lot of like, Hey, you know, do you guys want the guy that could absolutely close the doors tomorrow and you sign a contract with this guy, but he doesn't, he doesn't even own a brick and mortar anymore because the bank took it. Yeah. So you go from that conversation to say, Hey, we will absolutely always be here because we are a publicly traded company. We're not going anywhere. This, mm-hmm. this down to the economy isn't good, but it's not going to swamp. Well, and, and, and that's the thing, right? You get the, you get the additional security of having shareholders and additional funds and stuff like this because you've gotten to that level. So you should be able to float for a little bit longer than like the single proprietor who can do it or who has to do it all, all on their own. So I think it's six of one, half a dozen of another, right? And you pick, you pick the, the battlefield you want to, you know, play in. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I die on that hill a lot, right? It's like I go to the top of that hill with that message of like, man, you know, I know that guy is selling it for 1.3. I know that I'm at 2 million. Your total project's worth 25. $700,000 is a lot of money. Like, that's yeah. worth a couple conversations, right? And I understand what you're saying. But when that guy doesn't show up for the job site, doesn't show up to the job site because he doesn't have the, the people to do it, or he doesn't even have a company anymore, how much are you going to lose? Yeah. yeah. When you have to pay me all those change orders and all that time lost, right? So I, I try not to be that. That's not my message. That's not my initial message in a conversation, but that is my absolutely you know, dying last breath of like, I cannot believe you're going to go with us over this guy. That's my, that's kind of my last message. Right. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, like you got to have enough realization to know where you are in the, in the hierarchy of things, right? Because you're either at the top end, in which case you need to be talking out the like high end top end deals to keep the pipeline really, really full because any one of those jobs could make or break a month or a quarter or so on. But, but here's the deal. Like, like the guys that are at the lower end, like are at the lower end for a reason. They can't handle, right? Like, like, like the big boy stuff and stuff like that. So, well, or so maybe they, not, maybe they haven't grown to that level, right? Sure. Exactly. Because, uh, That's all I again, mean. you got, you got people on the way up and then you got the establishment that sits at the top of the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the yeah. pile. So, so it, it can't be. And don't forget what? that. Most small people, and I say small people because like startup companies is what I'm referring to. Yeah. Most startup companies came from somewhere else, right? Hardly anybody has a new idea anymore. Hardly Absolutely. anybody's yeah. so innovative, right? So, hey, I started a new private health practice. I probably came from a Baylor, Scott, and White, right? Of course. And, oh, yeah. and I learned how they did it, and now I'm going to try to do it better, right? Yeah. Everybody's in that boat. No, no, I agree. I I would argue that. Yeah. I mean, I I would say that maybe because like, I didn't know anybody else who was doing what I was doing. You know, like I met people who have done CRM consulting since going out on my own, but you know, you know, it's, you know, once you're cued to look for it, you start to find it. But you know, now, now I know half a dozen people who do various things. Like, do they do it exactly like I do? No. So I kind of focus on like the differences between me and the people that I work at, not because like I'm trying to, make somebody say yes or move a certain way, but it's just like, Hey, look, 
there's some differences in how this works. What are you really yeah. looking for? What's really important to you? Because I know that pricing is important to everybody, especially right now, but you know, there's probably some other things that, you're, that you might be concerned about. Can we talk about that? So, so there is a little bit of, of, of growth that I want to talk about here in, in this conversation, because if you do not sell today and you don't sell tomorrow and you don't sell by the end of the month, you will have no brick and mortar to sell from eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of pressure, like in my company, there's a lot of pressure from the top to make money, but are they happy with not having a business next year? Right. Because I've, I've focused solely on making profit. I think it's or a risk can, tolerance can, question, right? And it is. And, and you've got to know, the thing is, is that you got to know those topics to talk about in those meetings. And you should always bring this up, you know, in, in for what I do, not only am I selling to my customers, right? And also my vendors that supply me all the stuff to sell to my customers. But I have the same job upwards to a corporate environment that tells why I'm doing what I'm doing here and explaining it to, okay, do you approve? And if you don't, what do I need to change? So don't forget like, and I don't know everybody's not in that situation, but there are a lot of people out there that are in that corporate environment that just, sometimes you got to be the best salesman to your customers, but also to your sales manager, to your, to your, yeah, to your company. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. My boss. I'll never yeah, forget. Well, um, well I, Hey Nan, Nan, your boss is an asshole. So no <laughs> I, in, in 2008, um, this company, uh, Northwestern mutual, which is one of these kind of like independent financial advising companies. Oh, they, we've heard of Okay. So, um, you know, you, you never can tell. So I, uh, so, so they had an ad for like, you know, sales, I applied for it and they gave me the job on the spot. And I was kind of like, okay, like this is weird. And then now knowing what I know, because I, I've known some other people that have been through that program, the reason why they were, they were interested in talking to me was because of the Kung Fu thing, because, because I kind of talked about that in the thing. They're like, they're like, well, Hey, like, like what kind of circles do you run in? And I was like, well, I do this, I do this, but like I, but I, I also practice Kung Fu and they're like, well, well, how big is that? Is that school? And I was like, you know, it's a couple, you know, like, like just over like a hundred, 150 people. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. So that's like 150 people you can go talk to. Right. And they were willing to give me that job. Right. That I, that I obviously probably would have failed at. Um, because like in, in 08, I had none of the skill set was, it was not ready for like this kind of job. Um, simply because like I had a network baked in because they were already looking at the relational kind of stuff. Like, like, Hey, how, how many people are willing to pick up the phone whenever you call us? And I think there, there it is. There's now the show can start. Um, but like, you know, I, I think because, because normally the people who normally come through that program are like doctor's kids. Right. Right. And like trust fund kids and private school kids and stuff like that, because they've got a network of wealthy individuals all the way around. Right. And they go after those people with, with such a gusto. It's, it's pretty crazy. Well, John, here, here's what now you, man, you missed a golden opportunity when they said how many people you should have just looked at them and said, you do know who Bruce Lee is, right? <laughs> <laughs> then, then you go, you go, wow. No, no. Did, did you say I do everything from the center? I didn't. <laughs> exactly. I didn't do any of those things, right? Like, like this was right Hold after. Um, Hold I, on. Let me show you this. No, this is the knife man. Hold on. 
Let me let me move my screen up so that I can see how badly Al just did that. Okay, Al, do you want to do that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As your as your coach, let's just go ahead and break that down for the for for everybody watching. Um, yeah, of course. But no, like I mean, I mean, in in two thousand and eight, like I, like uh, in two thousand six, I quit my job to play poker full time, and then in two thousand and seven, when I decided to go get a job, I, I just got back into the workforce. I was working at Pier One Imports, and so I knew I wanted to get back into sales, and so I interviewed for AT and T. I interviewed for uh, Northwestern Mutual and this other company called Oxford, which did kind of like high-end recruiting and placement services. And I went with AT&T, you know, thankfully, because I think I would have burned out of, of either one of the other jobs at that time. So or you what, might be an RVP right now. What's that? I said, or you might be an RVP right now. Exactly. Maybe. Now, in, in 2008, I mean – Here's the deal. I wasn't really coachable around sales until like until like I was I was finally frustrated by by not being su- successful with Al. So so in 2008, I had a bunch of ego with with no real skill set and would have probably crashed and burned. Right? If there wasn't the right like like methodology and you know mentorship and stuff like that at the company, I, w- I would have failed completely, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, so let's let's wrap this up, right? We're talking yeah. uh, talking about a lot of stuff here. I think we're probably what forty five minutes in somewhere in there, John. Right around there, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Good. Anybody have anything left to say in closing? Nane, you've been really quiet, like like this episode. I mean, I don't know if that's on purpose or. No, I was just listening. Um, the only thing I'd like to say is we always talk about relationships, and I think the same is true here building relationships outside of, you know, like different companies, different people that you need to pull in to help you with a company as it grows, you know, relationships across the board. You need all kinds of diversified relationships as well. You know, I think it's funny that most people don't know this, but, but the reason why I'm here is because of two relationships that I built in a martial arts school. Like I met Al at Kung Fu. Right. And he was a tall guy and I'm a little bit taller than Al is. And so we got paired up a lot. And then Jeff started to come. You got your ass kicked by me in the streets. Was that your second lesson? No, (laughs) that's not happened. Uh, But then, but then Jeff started to, but then Jeff started to show up and he's a tall guy as well. So then I got paired with him and I was just networking without even realizing that I was networking. Hey, what do you do? Right. And then the only reason I networked with Al was because like, I just wanted to give him shit because he kept showing up in scrubs and we're like, we get it, dude, you're a doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally what I said to Al. Actually, can I, can I tell this story, Al, about the, about the woman who was out of class? Is this going to like, like offend you too hard? Do what? That was out of what? Yeah, there, I, don't, I don't know. There was this, uh, this, this, this young uh, female who was coming through the school at, at, at some point during, during Al's like, like earlier age of, of coming through the school as well. And she had disappeared for a while, wh- which was kind of crazy because she had been kind of lauded as like a prodigy because she'd been in dance for a long time, was very flexible, had good control over her body and stuff like this. And so she was kind of killing it and really like accelerating through all the learning. So then she disappears and then she comes back and I see her and I was like, I was like hey, are you okay? You know, we, we thought you might have quit. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, yeah, I had some cysts and one of them like, like exploded. And I was just like, 
oh my god i'm so sorry and then i was working out with al that day so like i'm holding the pal uh, i'm holding the pad for like for like al to al to like kick it and he kicks the pad and he was like just like one of those cysts and i was like (laughs) (laughs) and i was like i was like you know what me and this guy can be friends like but yeah you know (laughs) i did i do remember saying that i'm sorry wow man dude i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna burn for that one (laughs) i was like i was like okay hey so such such a dose of compassion that i can send somebody yeah not not one of my better moments folks not one of my better moments so. anyway guys. I, just, I, I completely disagree i think it's your best moment <laughs> al is al is al uh in yeah. the in the in the words of one of our friends he is the offspring of two sailors getting together and mating and like that's the only reason that we've got we've got <laughs> oh that's horrible man that is horrible <laughs> what i didn't what say I... they were male sailors Hey, what I yeah. love about what I love about Al and, and most eyes that I know is that I can tell you to go f yourself and you hate me forever. He can say the exact same words and he say, "Oh, dude, friends forever." <laughs> I, I just yeah. I don't get it. It's beyond me. I, I don't I love you for it. I don't. I, it it is endlessly impressing the stuff that I can see Al say in front of like prospects and influencers sure. and stuff like this in his neighborhood, and they're just like good old Al. And I'm like, there's no way I could say anything within a 10 mile radius of that statement and get away with it. Absolutely. Hey man, just run with scissors as much as you can. Just don't ever trip. You eyes have it. You eyes have it so good. You don't even know it. So in closing, right. uh, We're going to wrap up, uh, share this with somebody, you know, right. Uh, everybody has got some aspect of their life where they're having to influence other people to take action. The best way to do that is to figure out how they communicate and how that might be different from how you communicate. If you want to take this assessment to up your level of communication and influence, reach out to us, disc at salesthrowdown.com. Follow us on social media, subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching this, and share yep. this with someone else. If you want to help us out, leave a review. We read every one of them. It helps us improve, and that's that's why we're here. So, sure. I want to add one thing to that. Go John. ahead, Clint. Yeah. And, and and literally the best thing that I've ever done in in my personal life and professional life in sales uh, has taken a disc assessment, understood what who I am, and and be able to recognize personalities. And and if I could ever give you a tool that would up your game in this business it is disc absolutely and please please take that assessment you know the and, I, I would i would say that the that the 80 20 of this however you want to look at it the reason why we have been successful and have gotten to these points and periods that we are in our life is it is that the unifying factor is the personality stuff knowing how you are wired differently from some of the people that you're talking to and the and the changes you must make to build rapport which leads to trust which leads to sales yeah, and there's so much growth that I've done uh, personally, professionally with the three of you guys on this podcast, being able to make the phone call to a C and saying, hey, I'm dealing with this guy. This guy is a lot like you. If I said this, how would you take this? And you say, yeah. don't say that, say this. Guys, that's that's invaluable information that you can gain from taking these personality tests. Trust me, yeah. I, I've been there. Yeah. Not even just in sales, in yeah. life. In life. Anything, in yeah. Life. And, and for for a D for a D to raise his hand and say I have a weakness, that was my weakness, right? Yeah. Not knowing it, not knowing that. I mean, you said it in the, in the last episode, and I've been saying it for years. Like, like every one of us brings our own crap 
and head trash and limitations and blind spots to the game. So you need the other people around you so that way they help. But here's the deal. You are going to automatically sell out of the box just like you want to be sold to. And sometimes that is going to burn your opportunity. So, so yeah. come take an assessment, figure this stuff out because it is going to up your game, right? You are, we, are okay. not as, we are not as influential as we think we are until you really understand how this stuff actually happens in the psychology of sales. So, and, and if you go back an episode, right, and me talking about the easy button of sales and, the, and, and to be honest with you, there is none in my opinion. And there's all these people trying to sell you this stuff. If I could invest my money going back 10 years into any one thing, it would be yeah. personality assessment. And, and I promise you, if you take this assessment, get with us. We will help you out. It is, it'll be the best money you ever spent. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so right, much. Guys. We'll see you all soon. Sh uh, go, go out there and sell something. Be safe. Share and leave a review. We would love it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Go get, get busy. See you guys.